Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody here, and uh, Happy New Year. I know many of you were traveling, and so it's good to see all of you. And last week we were meeting at our church office, and we looked at some uh, key issues in the early church. And so I wanted to start this morning by kind of reviewing uh, just briefly what we talked about last week, and I think it will be helpful for this morning as well. We looked through the first uh, ten chapters of Acts, and we traced, we didn't look through all of it, but we traced a, a couple of uh, themes related to the momentum that the church was experiencing. The book of Acts, New Testament book that traces the history uh, of the Christian church. And so if you're wondering, how does this, this church that we're a part of, you know, you're part of the, a, a Christian church, how, what's the history of this whole thing? You can look in, in the book of Acts and, and read about how this kind of got off the ground? How did this movement start? So we looked at the movement in the early church and really the momentum. And we were trying to understand the momentum that carries on. There was this explosive growth that occurred through a very unified group of people. And we looked at how there's these math terms that kind of show up as you're reading the, you know, the early church history. And so we, we saw that there's there's addition, and so here's the review. There was addition we looked at, and here's what was happening. God kept adding new people, and this is, this is what addition is. I mean, in the church life, God kept adding to the church. And so you read passages where it says they would meet together, you know, daily in their homes, and God kept, and people were sharing and, and being generous, and God kept adding to their number daily those who were being saved. Or they would gather in the temple courts, and then also in their homes, and God kept adding to their number daily those who were being saved. So there's this addition theme, primarily in the, in the city of Jerusalem. Okay, that's where things started. And as they gathered, whether in large groups or small, God just kept drawing more people to respond to the message that the apostles were teaching, and God just kept adding new people into the church in Jerusalem. There was strong addition in the early days. And at points it was like a few more thousand people today. You know, so imagine a church exploding like that where thousands more people, you know, join in. You don't hardly get to know each other because it's like there's so many new people. So they had to deal with some dynamics that, that are very challenging. But more and more people were believing and then trusting in the risen Jesus. The message that the apostles were teaching was that Jesus was God and he was, he suffered and died on a cross. He was buried in a tomb and three days later he rose again and we saw him with our very eyes. They went around and they were proclaiming that message. So more and more people were saying, hey, I believe. And so they would be added. And I believe. And so God kept adding. Okay. Also there was subtraction. In the early church, you, you see through the book of Acts and especially through a lot of the New Testament letters, the books in the New Testament, sin was being dealt with. Either by God Himself, there was a few supernatural, there was a supernatural occurrence that we read about last week in the book of Acts where there was a couple who, who lied about something. They, they said, you know, we sold a plot of land, we're bringing all of the money to give it to the church to help with the needs of the church. But they lied about the amount that, that they sold. And they basically said, yeah, this is the whole thing. And God brought the truth out and supernaturally there was like judgment on that very day before the eyes of, of several people. These two, this couple was struck down dead because they lied. Now, m- most of what you see in the, in the New Testament is not that supernatural striking down. However, sin, when there's patterns of it, the church was encouraged to deal with it. Church members, church leaders were dealing with, with patterns of sin that would rise up in the church life would address it, and people would be given the opportunity to repent of it, to turn around, 
and to keep moving forward. And But there was addition and there was subtraction. Not just subtraction of people, but subtraction of sin. So, you know, that's a good thing. When God says, hey, this needs to stop, and, and we as a people say, you're right, we agree with you, we turn away from this. That kind of subtraction is a really healthy thing for us as people. So we looked at how important it is for, to be, for us to be responsive to God when He puts His finger on an area of, of our lives, personally, organizationally, as a group. There was multiplication in the church. And so we traced how at a certain point from the city of Jerusalem, things went out and started, churches were being planted in other cities and in other regions. People were being sent out to start new churches, really to impact the heart of the Roman Empire, which would eventually send the message uh, of Christianity much, much further. And so, But churches were recognizing uh, leaders and they were training and raising up leaders and then sending out people that were kind of commissioned to go and start new works. Once multiplication happens, the again, movement just steamrolls more and more and more. Also, there was division. Uh, sometimes there would be division, there would be disloyalty within the church. And as we talked about this last week, it is important for this to happen. That the church, when it comes to division, the church is to lovingly and yet aggressively deal with unspoken divisions. Now, this gets us uncomfortable because none of us like to deal with, with, with difficulty and, and division. Uh, what, what is unspoken division? Here, here's just the definition. Unspoken division is a problem that someone has either with the direction or sometimes the methodology or sometimes it's a problem with another person and then that person lets that offense or frustration stew inside them. It just becomes, it stews and stews and what happens is they start to withdraw and you can trace this through several characters in the Bible where this process happens. People start to withdraw and grow passive. But then what happens is they start sharing their frustration with other people about the person or about the direction or the methodology and they start sharing it with other people. And once they bring other people in the mix, that sends things down a very dark and damaging path for the unity of the church. It creates division. And so as we looked at that last week, I challenged our church family to protect our unity as a church, and if needed, to confront that. When it comes up, it's normal. It's normal that people are going to go sideways in that way, but Scripture tells us you warn divisiveness once, then a second time after that. That's not going to be a part of the church. It can't be just swept under the rug. It will, it will divide. It will create a real problem. And so churches to lovingly and, and yet aggressively deal with that. Now, one of the final points I looked at last week was, and we kind of wrapped things up, and I... And I issued somewhat of a challenge for our church to deepen our roots. And even in our business meeting, we had a business meeting near the end of last year, and I, and I talked about strengthening the core, you know, trying to get a sense of who, who's, who would call this church their home, and, and they'd say, hey, I'm, I'm part of the OCC family, and really just encouraging us to continue to grow. Um, but I want to take that idea a step further this morning. What does it mean to deepen our roots? And then why does it matter? Here's why it matters. This is If you take out this listening guide, it's in your program. It says at the top, lasting fruit is produced through deep roots. Okay, Lasting fruit is produced through deep roots. Real growth, real healthy fruit in our lives and in the church family as individuals and as a, as a group, real fruit comes through stronger, through deeper roots. And this is exactly what Jesus taught. 
in many places. I want to look at one of them. Matthew chapter 13. You can uh, flip there in your Bible. It's, it's pretty much listed out here in your listening guide. So let's look at this passage together. The first one, Jesus tells a short story, a parable. Here's how it starts. It, it says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. At this point, there's growing interest in Jesus as evidenced by this huge crowd of people. So much so that he has to get in a boat and get offshore so he can have a little bit of a platform to be able to speak to this massive group of people. Then verse 3 says this, And he told them many things in parables. Parables are short stories that he often used to teach deep truths. Very simple language, but deep truths. Okay, There's stories that everybody would say, oh, I, I know that, I understand that, that's normal life. So he'd use normal life scenarios to teach something deep. So Jesus told them many things in parables, saying, and here's the parable, a sower went out to sow. This has nothing to do with seamstresses, so it's just a, uh, a farmer sowing seeds. Okay, A sower, a farmer, went out to sow seeds. Verse 4 says, And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So there's these different kinds of growth uh, situations, okay? And the next set of verses, Jesus begins to explain the meaning of parables. Because his disciples say, hey, why are you talking in this mysterious, you know, short story language? Why are you using parables now? And so Jesus explains why he likes to, to, to share parables or use parables to teach. Look at verse 18. This is where he, in verse 18, he explains the meaning behind this this simple story that he shares. Okay, so look at verse 18. Here then, he says, the parable of the sower. He's about to lay out these four different kinds of situations. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Verse 20 says, As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Verse 22, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, like this is the, the type of person who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. And then the last scenario he says, As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Okay? So let's go back through just from verse 19. Okay? Look at verse 19. He says, there's a situation where the sower sows the seed, but the seed is snatched away. Verse 19. There it is. Have you ever watched something like this occur? It's really frustrating when it occurs in real life. Like, you've seeded your lawn, you've put topsoil down, you've tried to like grow your lawn and get it green, or you've tried to plant something with seeds, maybe it's flowers, and the next day you're like eating your Wheaties, or you're eating your Cheerios, or you're eating your oatmeal, or you're drinking your morning coffee, and you're excited of what you accomplished yesterday, and you planted something, you put something in the ground, and you look over at the lawn or the flower beds, and birds are feasting on the seed. 
And you're like, ah, you tear out there. Go away. Shoo. I did that. It's not for you. You're feeding the birds. It, it doesn't penetrate the ground. It doesn't penetrate below the surface. Verse 19 says, this is the way it is. The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Some of the time, the word of God's kingdom doesn't make it you know, into the soil at all. It's, just, it's, it's lingering around the path. And many times, the message of God's truth just, it doesn't stick. It goes in one ear. We may hear something from the Bible. We may hear something taught. We may read something. But it's like it goes in our ear and goes out the other. The Bible says that Satan actually is very much involved in keeping people blind and blinded from receiving the truth and really seeing things clearly and understanding things. He puts the blinders up so that we're, people would be, remain in the dark. Sadly, that's, that's what happens sometimes. And people come and you might, it might be, you know, a situation where you're like, this should be getting through to me. I'm sitting here, I'm hearing this, but I'm just, I'm, I'm not getting anything from this situation. Or maybe it's people that are, that are, uh, that are coming and again, it's just, there's distractions, there's, there's other things that capture attention. The seed. Hey, what'd you talk about at church today? Uh, no idea. <laughs> I think I, I added some good had some good coffee. Uh, it was good. I talked, but you know the seeds get snatched. Okay, and that's one kind of situation. Here's another kind of situation. Look, verse twenty and twenty one. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. We've seen this happen. Very joyful, emotional responses to God's truth. It's like people will be in agreement, like, yes, this is right, and they'll come and say something to a leader, to, you know, I'll see them and they'll say, hey, that was great, that really stirred me, and I'm ready to turn my life around. It seems like a person's about ready to just run in the right direction. And, and then, verse 21 says this, yet, so there's receiving with joy, yet he has, he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and then tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, and immediately he falls away. So they receive the word, and on account of the word, they start dealing with a certain amount of pressure, persecution, testing, trouble that wasn't there before. Because now it's like they're they're on the verge of growth. There's there's response, but then there's pressure and there's heat and there's testing on their life. And upon having their faith tested through trouble, immediately it says he falls away. This testing, what testing does is it reveals a shallow root. When we're tested for our faith, when pressure comes in, when the heat gets turned up, it tests to reveal the depth of our root, the strength of our root. I have an illustration I want to show you. Here's a picture of of something I think that compares. A mushroom, okay? A mushroom. Mushrooms, they spring up just overnight it seems like. Especially in my lawn. It drives me crazy. Like, I'm like, where did they come from? I, I thought I had treated this lawn with some of that stuff that I said will keep all the stuff out. You know, mushrooms appear. And they just, they spring up out of nowhere. I mean, it seems like, I, I, I wish this is how my spiritual life worked. Like, I just, growth just like blossoms really quickly and, and there's this overnight change. No, but sadly, mushroom growth, emotional growth like that, never lasts. Or I would say rarely lasts. There's not depth of root. There's not strength of root. I want to show you this video. Here's the video. Time lapse of a portobello mushroom harvest. Okay? 
Somebody's growing some portobello mushrooms, okay? Happens very quickly. Make you hungry, you know? You like that stuff? I, no, but have you ever noticed how much of a facade a mushroom is? It's it, a mushroom is a, is a facade. You kick the thing, and it just snaps in half. Right? <laughs> a lot of nodding heads. You know, you like you just tap it, and it's like bring, and the root comes out, and you're like, wow, you looked so hardy there, you know, ruining my my beautiful lawn, and you you didn't have there was nothing to it. It's just there's no depth of root, very very shallow. Okay, that's that's sometimes what happened. The seed is sown. Emotional response testing reveals a very shallow root, and then you don't find it anymore. It doesn't. It doesn't last. This actually shows how they shrivel. If you were to watch that that time lapse, it shows how quickly they also shrivel. Um, but here's another type of response. Look at verse 22. Verse 22 says this: As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So, if you put this into church terms. These are church members, these are church attenders who are hearing constantly the Word. But the world, the allure of the money, the allure of possessions, the allure of power and pleasure, it's like weeds or thorns that can choke out the growth, so there's minimal growth. The Word is coming into a person's life, but the world chokes out the possibility for real growth. People could be attending church year after year after year, but not experiencing much life change if our hearts remain wrapped around the world and the world's ways. And so sometimes we try to keep one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world, and we try to make that work. And all it amounts to is severely limited growth and discouragement. It's discouraging news. There, there may be some growth, but it's not what it could have been. And and so Jesus says, look, this is it's like that flower or you know, the possibility for this thing to grow is going to be stunted because these thorns and weeds are going to choke out the life. They're going to take the, the energy and the nutrients away from that healthy plant from being able to grow. That's, that's what happens in our spiritual lives. The world, it snatches our energy, our, our focus, our resources, our time. It swallows up and, and decades just fly by. You look back and you're like, where did the decade go? And we go through cycles and the world just is, is just happy to take life from us. Then verse uh, 23. Look at verse 23 and we're really going to focus in on this. As for what was sown on good soil, this this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold in another sixty and in another thirty. Now this is very important to key in on. This person is like good soil, Jesus says. There's exponential growth occurring. Like I would compare it to this, to like a mighty oak tree. Here's a picture of an oak tree. Now compare that to the mushroom. The oak tree, it deals with the weather. It deals with the storms. Its leaves shed. It goes through seasons of drought. It goes through weather changes. But these deep roots just keep bearing healthy fruit and thicker branches produce year after year after year. It may be slow, but it is steady, consistent growth. It comes back stronger. Now, interesting note about Jesus' story. It's not about the seed. It's not about the farmer's sowing methodology. We can get hung up on methodology. It's not about the, the way that the seed is, is sown into our life, is it? No, it's about the soil. It's about 
It's about the condition of the person. It's about the condition, the factors that are, that the person's experiencing. It's the, it's the preparation of the soil. So the big question comes to our mind. What kind of soil best represents my life? Am I seeing just depth and, and growth and, and, and strength? Am I, am I changing and experiencing life change or am I having emotional responses only or is my growth being choked out by, by the world? And the, the traps that are just grabbing hold of my attention or grabbing the focus of my life. Now, how do we really know? We know over time. Look at the very next parable. Time will tell. Sorting will come in time. Look at this next parable that Jesus tells. Verse uh, 24 through 30 says, He put another parable for, before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. And went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant says to, said to him, Then you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No. Lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. So what we learn from this parable, these parables, you can get, uh, you know, you can get off on a tangent, but the point of this parable is wheat and weeds grow together. They grow together. Time will tell, sorting will come in time. You know, and so in, this is how it is in church life. There's there's all sorts of things growing up, and time will tell what's what's real growth and what is just cycles and emotions. And so, big question for us is: How do I deepen my roots? How do I know? How can I know that I, I can grow through the years and not just get stuck somewhere or fall off the wagon somewhere? How, how do I know how to grow? So, let's look more closely at verse twenty-three and break down. What Jesus says in verse 23. How to grow deep roots. You hear instruction. He says, The one with the good soil, as for the one, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word. So you have to hear God's word. You need to hear instruction. Meaning you need to receive communication from some place or from someone or somehow. You need to be hearing God's instruction. We need to be regularly taking in teaching and instruction from God's word. In Jesus' day, most information and instruction was passed orally. They were an oral tradition uh, community, and so large groups of people would gather, and small groups would gather to talk about things. And a group or a leader would start sharing God's words, you know, or the stories were being passed along orally. Uh, you know, we we mentioned last week how we have this tremendous ability to own our own personal Bible. We can actually own a copy of God's Word. Like that's that's a privilege. Many people that are alive today don't, don't have that privilege, don't have that ability. We have that ability to own a copy of God's Word. I mentioned last Sunday that in the first century, nobody would have owned their own copy of the Old Testament. It would have been far too expensive, and it would have, you know, it would have involved needing truckloads or wheelbarrows full of scrolls. And so if a town was wealthy enough and their, their synagogue had a copy of the Old Testament, it would have, it, you'd have to truck the thing around. Some did, but it wasn't something that, you know, the residential community would have just typically had. No, that was something that 
you just didn't have access to. So how would you learn? Well, you, it was an oral tradition. Things were passed on from life to life. So you'd gather as a large group. You'd gather as a small group. You made that a priority because you needed to hear instruction from God's Word. And they relied on that. Back to the parable for a moment. We need the seed of God's Word. We need the seed. He, he says the seed is the Word of God's kingdom. We need to take it in regularly through various forms of receiving it. And we can get hung up on methods... But the point is, get it into your life. That's what Jesus is saying. Get it into your life. Take it in. It's not about the the way the the sower sends it out. The point is, again, the condition of the soil. Take it in. So how does this look in your own life? How often are you receiving God's Word into your life through different forms? Versus the amount of media, the other messages that we take in and that really bombard us. It would take a pretty steady intake of God's truth to really battle all the other messages that flow into our lives, wouldn't it? It just it requires a lot of instruction from the Lord. We need to be hearing instruction. That's the first thing. The second thing that Jesus says is the good soul is is this is the one who hears the word first and then understands it. So I need to seek to understand it. Meaning I wrestle with it until I comprehend what it means. I wrestle with God's truth until I understand what it means. Reading or listening to the word is the first you know, part of getting it in, but then I, I just, I struggle with it. I struggle to understand it. And how many times have you read something? Think about a book. You get into a book or, or you've got to do some homework. And you start reading something only to allow your mind to just wander off, but you keep turning the page. And your mind is, like, you're reading the words, but you, you're like five pages in and then you realize, where am I? <laughs> what just happened? And you've planned out your day, you've thought about your grocery list, you've had conversations, you know, and you're, you know, I need to do this. And then you've got to go back and reread it because our mind wanders off. Now this is how it is oftentimes with hearing the Word. It comes in and we, we just don't understand it. Sometimes we just get distracted. This is, this is why it's important to reread. Or in the case of the Bible, I often hear people say, hey, I don't understand it. It's too, it's too hard to understand. And, and sure, there are some difficult passages and there are some more difficult literary styles than others in the Bible. There's history in the Bible and then there's prophecy in the Bible. There's letters. Well, I would say for me, history is much easier to understand than prophecy. I like it when people just tell me the facts. You know, Give me the linear facts. Tell me what's happening in the story. I don't like it when people use a lot of symbolism and, and I have to figure out... But don't let the more difficult literary styles in the Bible prevent you from understanding. So when you read the Scripture... It's very, very important to just read and then reread and reread it until you understand what is really happening here. Sometimes, on the surface, it's not totally apparent what a passage or a verse means. And so, typically, I need to gain some understanding through understanding the context. What's the section that it's in? What's the book that it's in? What's the chapter setting? You know, what's the, what's the setting in this chapter? What's, what's the occasion that this was written for? And, I, and I'm digging in. I'm trying to understand, God, what are you saying here? Why, why did this matter to, to your people back then? You know, start there really trying to understand those things. And then, and then you start wrestling, okay, what would this look like to get it in my life? And we can all do this. We can all wrestle it down until we understand what it means. When this happens, whenever you start wrestling, it takes the, the seed and it takes it deeper. It drives it deeper. into the. It gets rooted. It gets below the surface. And it's planted... Now into our minds, where it becomes part of our perspective and the way we see life. And it's not just information anymore. Now it's becoming, it's, 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 
it's aligning our focus, our vision. So what does this look like in your life? Are you wrestling down God's Word when it comes into your life? Do you think about what it would mean to take God's truth and move it into different areas of your life? You can ask questions like, hey, how would this affect my family life? How would my family life look differently with this new learning? How would my job approach change? How would my relationships be affected and shifted with this new learning? That's wrestling. You're understanding what it means and then you're starting to think through, how would that look in my life? The seed is taking deeper root in your life when you go there. Now sadly, many people stop right here. They hear and they understand and then that's it. They hear and they go, yeah, I get that. Yeah, that makes sense. But it doesn't really bring about change. We can all live our lives very focused on just trying to understand more and more and more and learn more and more and more. And so we become addicted to learning and understanding, but our lives don't change until we hit the next step. So here's the next thing that Jesus says. He says, After what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed, indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, another sixty, and another thirty. So there's this manifestation into the real life. You hear it, you understand it, and then it starts to grow in your life. You apply it soon. So that's the key. You apply it soon. Once God shows you something, you do something with what you've learned and what you've understood. You get it into your life. There's real growth. And sometimes, Jesus says, the growth is exponential. It's just like hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirty. Those are exponential amounts. Now the early church, again, they had no personal Bibles, they had no Bible colleges, they had no Bible conferences, they had no Christian radio, no Christian TV, no internet, they couldn't access old sermons. They, they, you know, this was an oral tradition, and yet that movement exploded. And that's the movement that we get to carry on and steward at this point in history. But it took deep root in their lives, and it triumphed over many, many centuries through many challenges. The church has prevailed. And we as a church, we need deeper roots. It's not a very complex process, as you, as you see. The, the parable, the story, makes, it makes good sense. But it requires discipline, and it requires intentionality. We take in the Word, we wrestle with it, and we apply it. And we do that over and over and over again in our lives. Don't get hung up on thinking that you're not intelligent enough to, to understand the Bible. Because it's not about intelligence. Don't get sidetracked into thinking, I need to go off to Bible college to really grow, or I need to go off to seminary, or get theological training to really grow. And if God has called you to be a pastor, then at the right time, that probably makes sense to get more training. But it's not being about, it's not about a certain level of intelligence. Or don't get stuck into thinking that it's about a certain style or methodology you know, that is responsible for you growing. That's, that's not the answer. Here's, again, just to summarize. Hearing, understanding, and applying God's truth is what separates oak trees from mushrooms. This is very important for us to understand if we're going to see stronger, deeper roots. It's why some people come around here, yield their lives to Jesus Christ, and then they begin to grow steadily as they apply truth to their lives. They develop influence. They rise up in leadership. People begin to follow them because they're applying and their life is changing because they obey while others take in more and more and more and yield very little. Jesus puts it this way. James one or James put it this way. James one twenty two. Very pointed statement James makes. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Just be a doer, he says. Or Jesus wraps it up 
up his most famous sermon with this, uh, these verses here. Look at what Jesus says. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the root. Founded on the rock. There's a strong foundation there because they were doers of the word. They did Jesus' words. Verses the opposite. Look at verses 26 and 27. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. They just take it in. They wrestle with it. They want more of it. But they don't do anything with it. They'll be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And so the challenge is to plug in and to deepen your roots. Take that personal responsibility. That it's, it's, it's each of our responsibility to grow stronger, deeper roots. If you're not growing here and you're hung up on methodology, then find the method that you need and start applying at that other place. Because the point is, again, hear, understand, and apply. Don't, don't let the thought of this is too complicated stop you. Just keep, keep reading. Ask somebody to, get, to give you some help on how to understand if you need that. Uh, but many of your lives and your stories, as they circulate around our congregation, they just really encourage us as a group but we need to keep deepening our roots. We need God to continue to do this process of, of growth that He's taking us through. And as we wrap up, just consider, what, what is it God wants me to do in response to this morning? Left some blanks there in the, in the listening guide. Just for you to just kind of wrestle and think through, what is it I can do to apply this, this morning's message? Jot down a note, maybe jot down your note in your phone so you'll set a reminder to begin taking action. If God's prompting you to do something with it, then, then take action. I want to pray as we, as we close. So let's, let's do that. Father, thank you for this time and thank you for your, your word and the way that it, it brings help, timely help to our lives. Your word is, it's living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts through the issues of life. It gets to the heart of matters in our own lives. And so God, thank you for just the way you speak. As we open up your word, whether it's here or in small groups or in our own time with you, God, you are so faithful to teach us. And Lord, your word is understandable. So Lord, help us to keep digging in and wrestling for ourselves and then to apply the things that we learn, Lord. We don't want to be just living the same life year after year, decade after decade, Lord. We want to experience the life change, the exponential growth that, that You desire, Lord, that You would say is, is like a hundredfold growth, sixty, thirtyfold. Lord, we want to see that kind of exp- exponential growth in our lives. And so, Lord, we pray You'd help us to identify the things that may be blocking that. We ask for Your help in Jesus' name. Amen.